0: Um, thank you, guys. Why don't you grab a seat? It's good to be in church at night, isn't it? Especially when there's party poppers. Yeah? Very, very cool. It's very, very cool. I thought, man, how many people reckon um, time's the weirdest thing? Time's the weirdest thing. It's like, how many people you know things that happened maybe 10, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, can feel like just yesterday, right? Yeah? It's like, I can just like yesterday, I can remember one, like I fell off my bike one time and I can still remember the whole exact moment. It was 1989. I was riding my bike from Paraparamu Beach from McLean Park down Golf Road. Um, and I was riding behind someone, my friend. And um, uh, he, he's, uh, he's since married one of my cousins, but that's Paraparam for you, you know. And um, I was riding behind him. And um, I was doing that thing where you, you put the front tire of your bike and you try and knock them off their bike with the tire rub thing, and I came off my bike horribly uh, and um, and just hit my head straight onto the um, onto the uh, concrete. And, uh, yeah, I've never been the same since, as you know. But uh, and uh, it feels like it was just yesterday, but, it's almost like, but it feels like we've been doing church here for my whole life, uh, even though 1989 is somewhat longer than a year ago. It's just a weird thing, isn't it? And so I thought it'd be good to hear from three people. We've got three volunteers, three highlights of the last 12 months. Three highlights of the last twelve months. I will volunteer, people, uh, so that we don't have too many or too long and awkward silence. Um, Elliot's got a highlight. Jump up, Elliot. Anyone else got a highlight? So we've got someone from kids. We need someone from youth. Someone from youth with a highlight. I'll volunteer someone shortly. Uh, someone from young adults f- with a highlight. James, have you got a highlight from the last 12 months? Yeah, James does. Jump up, James. He'll share us a highlight from the last 12 months. And I reckon we'll get Wakash as well. Where's Wakash? He, where is Wakash? There he is, Wakash. I was looking at I was looking at the back, but it wasn't there. Yeah, you go, Fish. Elliot. Highlight of the last twelve months.
1: Today. 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 Um, because Don't tell me out There was like glow sticks and balloons and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just cool. fun. Yeah. Yeah. The atmosphere. Yeah. Oh, cool. mm. awesome. Awesome. <laughs> go, James. Highlight for the last twelve months. I don't know. Man up was really cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Man <up>. shame,
1: shame. <laughs> oh Man Up was just a it was a real awesome experience to see um a lot of guys and whatnot just being in an environment with all guys so you see they're actually being themselves with men, not just um trying to change themselves for whoever's around or whatnot. And there were so many people that you'd see jumping around or doing stuff which you wouldn't expect them to be doing, which was one of my highlights actually. Yeah. Just seeing people let themselves be free, kind of. It was cool. Uh, James took mine. So, um, I think just the whole year in general has just been really good. Um, Just the move to Wellington High. um, It's just really opened up heaps of opportunities. Um, And I think, I know this is weird, but I think equip her was mean. Um, Yeah. No, nah, um, I was, I was there because I was playing. That's why I was there. I didn't, I didn't register. <laughs> yeah, I was playing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I was serving. Um, but it was, it was just really awesome. Because um, it's normally a massive conference that we go to in Auckland, but having it here was just really cool. Because there were, there were a lot of people here that wouldn't have gone if it was in Auckland. And just seeing this place packed and just the atmosphere and just the, the praise and worship and the speaking was just awesome. So I think, yeah, that was a big highlight for me. So i give these guys a hand.
0: Thank you, guys. Grab a seat. I think it, it's, cool, it's cool hearing from some different voices, some highlights from the year. But I know for, for me it's been a, just a highlight that um, I think – Probably we've, since we've been here for a year. We've done what nearly a hundred services, I reckon. Um, probably across that time, hundred services in the year, um, and just about every service people have people have been able to visit, uh, which is cool. It's been it's been easy for people to find us here. Uh, easy, like it's easy when you invite friends. It's the, at least there's a car park, you know. Uh, Web Street, it was always a bit of a challenge to find a car park. And when we're at the Paramount, sometimes people get one, two, or three parking tickets, uh, depending on how, how awesome they are. Uh, but I think it's just, that's something that I found is a real highlight. It's just when when we've been invited, uh, when we've invited friends that they've been able to come, it's been really easy um, for them to connect and be part of it. I think it's a good thing. Amen. Very, very cool. Well, I'm preaching this morning. I'm carrying on uh, with some ideas that I began this morning. So preaching tonight, carrying on some ideas. So if you've got your Bible, grab it and open it up. We're going to jump into Matthew chapter 10. Um, And the the writing in Matthew chapter 10, the whole chapter, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but the whole chapter relates um, to... Uh, What I preached this morning, which is uh, from Matthew chapter 9, Jesus looks out at a crowd of people um, and it says that He's moved with compassion. So something happened deep inside Jesus as a response to what He saw. So often we think about uh, Jesus as sort of um, holy, which He absolutely is, but sometimes we think holy means sort of weird and not real and a bit distant. Well, I like the fact that when you read the, actually, when you read the Bible, Jesus is not much like the religious stereotypes that, it, that we might think of him as, you know, and when he sees a crowd of people, we read in Matthew 9 that he's moved with compassion, uh, which means that something happened inside of him as a response to what was going on in the crowd. There's a massive crowd of people. And I don't know, give the kids a hand, they're all, Wow. It's very funny. It's like there's there's kids of all sizes, right? The smallest one being Lucia, that was her you could hear uh clumping on the floor. <laughs> Lizzie was running th- silently like a ghost across the back and then someone half the size is making elephant noises. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um when you s- I don't know if you've ever, ever seen like when if you, if you if you have a conversation with one person, you sort of can talk to a person when there's three people, it's like people and then when there's more than three people, it's just it's just faces. You know, it's, it's, it's rare that you can actually connect with the feeling of much, much more than just a handful of people. Unless it's people that you know or unless there's a particular atmosphere that's grabbing it. But Jesus looked out at this, this group of people and he says he has compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were scattered. It said they had no one who was looking after them, looking out for them. And Jesus says that the harvest is... Ready. The harvest is massive, right? The harvest is very great, uh, but there's too few workers. So we need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers into the harvest field, right? And then the next chapter is chapter 10, uh, where Jesus sends out the 12 disciples, right? So Jesus prays in chapter 9 that we, or instructs us to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out workers. And in chapter 10, we see him sending people out. So you, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We've got to actually; these two things have got to go together, right? How many people know that like I preached this morning, the harvest is hard work. The harvest is ready. Jesus says the harvest is hard work. At harvest time, you work from the time the sun comes up to when the sun goes down until the harvest time's finished. You don't have time for other things. You've just got to focus on harvest. And when we think about the season that we're in as a church. I want to say that it's harvest is our focus. It's got to be our focus. And when I say the season, I mean the season that we're in from the time that Jesus said, uh, the harvest is plentiful, uh, the labor is a few, something like 2016, 2016 years ago, right? From the time he said that until the time he comes back on a white horse and rolls up the heavens in a scroll, from the time He said this until the time He comes back, it's harvest time. And that seems like a long time. Does it seem like a long time to you? It's like a pretty long season, right? Except when you compare it to all of eternity, which is what Jesus is looking from, right? So the season that we were in, the whole purpose of the church is that we would be involved in the work of God, the harvest of God, which is drawing people into Him, bringing people to Him, bringing people to the Father. And if you read the Gospels, you read the parables, particularly I'm thinking of the lost son, the lost coin, the lost sheep— that's this, those are stories of harvest, of people, of, of people searching for and bringing the lost thing into God. Lost things matter to God. Lost people matter to God. And the whole job of the church is to bring people closer to Him. The job of a church meeting is slightly different, right? So all of us as people are the church, right? And so our job as people is to bring other people closer to God. The job of this church meeting is slightly different. That's where we gather as the people of God. Now, how do know that gathering as the people of God is one thing that can bring people who are far away from God closer to God, right? But we mainly gather to encourage each other. People, if you ask why we do fast songs, it's because I find them encouraging. I find it uplifting to sing loud, right? I, that's what I do. I find it uplifting to sing loud. That's why I dance. That's why I jump. Because if you move your body, it shakes things up in your mind, in your emotions, and you can move yourself forward. You can open your heart to God when you praise, right? That's why we do it, right? Why do we preach loudly and, and with focus for 30 minutes? Why? Right, because we're trying to encourage people. If we're missing, let us know we can always improve, right? But the purpose is to encourage you. Know, the encouragement isn't always the same as make you feel good, Encourages to put courage into someone to make someone feel good is a different word it means to make some, it's to make someone feel good sometimes to have courage put in you actually feels a little uncomfortable sometimes it feels challenging sometimes it means if, if we 're going to embrace the Word of God, sometimes it means we have to go to war with the things that are in us that are different or contrary to the word of god right so when i 'm saying this morning it 's a precious this morning that it 's harvest time. That's the Word of God. Sometimes that cuts against our emotion or where we're at, where we personally are at in our own little season, our own, our own personal season. Sometimes the big season of God, harvest time, clashes with our own little season of it's me time, right? Sometimes there's a clash, right? Now, the two aren't exclusive because if we're going to be good, good workers for God, we've got to look after ourselves, right? But how many people know that um, sometimes me time can be like lunchtime that rages out of control, Right, where you get, actually get stuck in your head. And I really had a word this morning, and I wanted to share it again tonight. It felt like a word of knowledge just as we were praying at the end of the message this morning, that, a lot of, that I think a lot of us are prone to. And maybe it's the nature of reality for us in the 2016. Maybe it's just Wellington or whatever. We can be prone to being stuck in our own head, stuck in amongst our own thoughts, trapped in our own little self, and even though we're the sort of person and we actually have the sort of personality that is out there, so to speak, we, want to, we have a call from God that wants to reach out. We've got the words from God to encourage other people. But sometimes even though those things are inside of us, we're stuck inside too, right? And we can't get the good things of God out because we're trapped in our own insecurities sometimes. I think anxieties can trap us inside of our head. Shame can trap us inside of our head. Did you know, I read something crazy in a book this week. I'm doing some research for a course that I'd like us to run in church next year. And I read this thing in a book, and it's, it was talking about overcoming sin. And it says this, the first step to overcoming sin is to stop feeling bad about it. I was like, wow. Because Romans chapter 8 says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So we're not, we, our job is not to feel bad about our sin. Our job is to be convicted by God to live differently. But feeling bad about stuff, how do you know that doesn't actually help? Uh, uh, you know, it does help. It helps us stay in the place where that sin is a problem and it controls us. But but actually coming out of that space of being trapped in it, trapped in our own head, allows us to be what God's called us to be. To be these workers God's called us to be. To be to be to be to be out to 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 live our life from what God's doing inside of us to the world around us, rather than from the world around us in attacking us and where we're at. That God would do something inside me. In such a way that I can live that out. I don't know if you ever pray like that. Sometimes I pray with my hands. Something inside of me that would make a difference in the world around me. Sometimes I pray, God, help me to understand what's going on in the world around me. So that it would touch my heart in a way like it touched your heart, God. So that there'd be a connection between what you're doing in the world, God, and who I am and the people that I interact with. And tonight I want to talk a little bit. And I've got a title for my sermon which is going to help you out, Johnno. Jonah is, is probably the best sermon titler of the, in the world because I don't do titles. Um, I, find it really, I find it reductionist and restricting. Um, and so, uh, But Jonah has to make a title for every sermon I preach. So if, you, if you're ever looking at the sermons online and you're like, wow, that's a great title. Uh, just credit where credit's due, uh, Jonah's done it. This title of this message is, it's not what you do, it's the way that you do it. <laughs> Which goes with a great song, which I knew that I knew that the Sutherlands would know. And so they're gonna sing that for us. Come on, give give Dingle a huge hate. <laughs> a very, very short hesitation there. How many of you know the song is do it? It was on an ad, that's why I know it. I'm not actually from the nineteen fifties, but Oh really? That might might have caught my attention. Anyhow. <laughs> Anyhow, that was an joke. Rachel said the ad was pantyhose. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, once you grab your Bible, let's read the Bible rather than sing the song anymore. Cause I, really, I really believe there's something in this for us, and I'm, I really am, literally, deliberately trying to provoke you before I go, um, because I think the, the, the season that we're coming into, uh, spring and summer, is great time for connecting with people. It's a great opportunity. Uh, no, we've got one more month of night services, and then we're just barbecuing it right through to the end of January, right? And, and and that gives us time. That gives us a bit of space in our calendar to invite people into our homes, to connect with other people in their homes, to 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 bring to, to connect your church friends with your work friends uh, over you know over sausages uh, or something like that. And I really believe it's a critical time for those guys who are studying. You've got to go home or whatever. Don't don't just sort of drift into your old networks or whatever. Just actually think about who you're connecting with. Are you living with mission? Are you living with harvest on your mind? Amen. Um, so Jesus sends out the, the 12 apostles uh, in um, verse 1, and I'm, I, I'll just skip that, and it sort of just says you their names. Um, and uh, it says this in verse 5. Should we read from there? It says this, Jesus sent the 12 disciples out with these instructions. Are you ready? These are your instructions, okay? Don't go to the Gentiles or to the Samaritans, but only go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, okay? Don't go to the Gentiles the Samaritans. But only go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. That's the first thing. Uh, go and announce. Everyone say go. Everyone say announce. It's good to go and it's good to announce. It's no good to announce if you haven't gone and it's no good to go if you're not going to announce. I'm going to make friends with the people across the street. Good. That's going. At some point, if you're going to make a difference in the world, something's got to come out of you. It could be the thing you say, or it could just be the thing that comes out of you. Like Jono said, that when you're broken, you shine the light of Jesus. Now, I understand that that's real. But the easiest way to make sure that the gospel comes out of you is that at the right moment, it comes out of your mouth, right? There's no point announcing, though, if you haven't gone. You actually haven't connected. Like, like, yeah, you've, you've, you've met them a few times, but now you're telling them all about Jesus, but you actually haven't gone to them and made a connection with them. Did everyone say go. Everyone say announce. Well, that's it. We've done two points already. We've done two points of the whole seminar already, which is good because I've got 11. We've got to go and we've got to announce. The temptation, my temptation is just to announce because I'm an announcer, right? Yeah, I could be a horse race commentator, I reckon. If Jimmy trained me, I'd be able to do it. But the reality is, some of you are better at going than you are at announcing. You're good at connecting with people, but you never actually bring Jesus into the conversation. I'm good at talking about Jesus, but often I'm just by myself, driving to my car, talking about Jesus, right? No good just talking about Jesus if I actually haven't connected with people, right? Do you know what? It It takes a year to make a friend, even longer sometimes. Do you know the problem with that is? I'm really impatient and lazy. Right? And you know, the other, thing, the other thing is to make a friend. You can't make a friend. You can't just be, friend, be a friend at someone. I'm going to make Alistair my friend. You can't make Alistair your friend without him being your friend. So and if they're your actual friend, you, you might have to help them change tires or shift house. I just want to tell them about Jesus. But actually, there's no point just telling people about Jesus if I'm not prepared to make some sort of connection, right? Right? I'm not everyone's best buddy. You can't be everyone's best buddy, but we've got to go and we've got to announce. Everyone say go. go. Everyone say announce. announce. Very good. Well, that's, we're up to point number three. Let's keep moving, though. Go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near, right? Okay, now we're on to, like, straight-up job description, right? So if you take your notes, these are four things you have to do. So, James, you get, you'll be able to remember these. Oh, you're going to take notes. Jamie and James have got the MyZew telephone. How many other people, you rocking team you? Just me and James awesome <laughs> iPhone. all these other people got iPhones and stuff James. lame get something from China um, it says this okay write this down James number one Number one, heal the sick right that's your job description number one heal the sick it didn't say heal a sick person it, it says heal the sick right have we got that written down Everyone understand that? Good, pretty straightforward. Uh, the next one, heal the sick. Once you've done that, move on to step number two, raise the dead. Everyone say, raise the dead. Okay, step number two. I do know of a pastor in South America. Uh, his name's David Hogan. He's, less, he's crazy. I'll just tell you, he's crazy. Um, he's unique. We'll say, less, no, take it back. He's not crazy. He's unique, right? Uh, to be in his leadership team, you have to have raised at least two people from the dead, That's like, cool, okay, God's actually working with you, right? Now, how many of you know this is a pretty straightforward job description? Heal the sick, number two, raise the dead. (laughs) How many people are keen to take on this job, right? The next question is, what's the salary on this one, right? These are pretty, these are KPIs of pretty exceptional proportion, right? I can imagine the annual review is going to be pretty straightforward. Uh, Do you know any sick people? Oh, yeah, yeah, Why? Have you been to any funerals? Oh yeah, yeah. Why? Everyone say heal the sick. Everyone say raise the dead. And uh, number four, cleanse lepers. Everyone say cleanse lepers. I uh, think this one says cure those with leprosy. It's different to healing, right? So cleanse the lepers. And uh, number um, five. I've got a different noting. I've got a different numbering system. It's it's number. Anyway, Roman numeral four, sub point A, third bullet point. The last one is to cast out demons, right? So straightforward, let's write those down. Number one, heal the sick. Number two, raise the dead. Number three, cleanse lepers. And number four, cast out demons, right? Now, once you've done that, you've fulfilled your job. Go and announce, and then once you're doing it, and amongst doing that, those are the things. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure the leprosy, cast out demons, right? And then it goes on and gives some terms and conditions, which we'll get into shortly, right? The employment conditions follow after these four key objectives, right? The first one is you don't get paid, right? So give freely as you've received freely. Uh, So everyone say heal the sick. I was thinking about this. Uh, I, I believe in the healing power of Jesus to heal me physically, and for, when I pray for sick people, for them to be healed physically. But I also think that healing the sick is bigger than that, right? I, but I don't want to distract us from the fact that that's still real. Jesus heals the sick, and we should pray for sick people and believe for them to be healed. When we're sick, we should be praying before we take in the Panadol. That's what we should be doing, right, because of who we are as Christians, right? I also believe that Jesus can raise the dead. I don't believe, I don't, when I say David Hogan's unique, I, I said he was crazy because it, it's crazy to my mind. I don't think he's crazy. I think it's unique, but I, and I think it's a fact. Like I've heard him tell the story of people who were, there was a massive, um, I can't remember, it might have been t- tuberculosis outbreak in the bush. He's in um, Uruguay. Um, and they did running out of graves, and they ended up burying people in large graves, right? These p- people got out of the grave after being in a pit, with other bodies that had been in there for two or three days, and they came to church covered in lime, where they'd thrown the lime over them. So I know that God can physically raise the dead, and I know that He does that through people of great faith. Right? It's never happened in my life, but I'm not saying it can't. And I'm not, but I'm also saying that it's actually something bigger than just the physical raising of the dead that we need to engage with in mission: heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. Right? Healing the sick means dealing with the problem right in front of you. Dealing with the immediate problem. So-and-so's got a broken leg. Are they going to die from their broken leg? Well, it could happen, but it's probably not likely. Is it going to limit their life massively? No. Healing the sick is about dealing with the immediate issue. In your job, whatever your job is, you're called to deal with the issue. The people that you interact with who have issues, you've got the ability in God. You've been sent by Jesus to help them deal with the issue, help them find freedom in the immediate situation. That's called healing the sick. Whether that's a physical problem or any other sort of problem, you've got an anointing from God filled with the Holy Spirit to heal the sick, to set people free from the immediate problems that face them, right? Everyone got an application into your world of what healing the sick might look like, right? What about raising the dead? How many of you know that when you're dead, it's a more serious issue? Right, when you go to the doctor and you sit down, they say, what's been going on? And then you say, oh, I've got a bit of a cough. You know, they don't panic. When you sit down and the doctor says, what's going on? You say, well, I'm dead. I've been dead for years now. Have you know the doctor's not got anything to prescribe you in a situation like that? So healing the sick means there's situations where the doctors could help, but Jesus can help straight away. Raising the dead means there's situations that you come up against, and that people in your world come up against that nobody can help? Is there there a husband and wife you know and and they need someone to raise the dead in terms of their relationship? Is there someone you know in terms of the way they view themselves? They actually don't need to be healed. They need to be raised from the dead in terms of their insecurities, in terms of their fears, in terms of anxieties. What about about a work situation where a project goes south, right? Sometimes they've got projects at work that need healing, right? But sometimes there's projects at work that need to be raised from the dead. Why does Rachel look a little bit tired? Because she's currently raising the dead in the department that she works in. She's not just healing the sick. She's raising a dead thing, right? That's why she looks a little bit tired, right? John is working for her. That's why he should also look tired, right? Not t- <laughs> not tired enough. Right, come on. How many people know that you can, when you're charging through university, sometimes you really need a healing the sick type miracle. Man, I'm a bit behind God. I really need some help. Right? But then your situation is like Wakash right now, all night of last night, all night of tonight. He needs someone to raise that assignment from the dead, right? Does he deserve it? No, but does does any of us deserve any of God's miracles? So, yeah, Wakash should have started his assignment earlier, but actually, he's come to the point where he needs God to just do a raise the dead miracle on the assignment. And God will either do it or God will teach him something some other way, right? Right? Everyone everyone nod your head? Heal the sick, raise the dead. Can Can we do it? Well, that's our job, so we need to start figuring out how, right? The last one, next one, cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. I put these two together. I put uh, Heal the sick, raise the dead. I put them together like A and B. Cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. They're like uh, 2B, 2A and 2B, whatever. The numbers and the letters are escaping me now. But leprosy is a disease of the skin. And in fact, when the Bible says leprosy, it means any disease of the skin. Uh, any sort of um, a, a disease, uh, like one that just doesn't go away by itself, it's like it clings on there, right? I, again, it's a it's surface level. Do you know, as Christians, we're, we're called to deal with the surface level. We are. Do you know what? You, you're actually supposed to be polite. You're supposed to be kind. As, as Christians, we're supposed to be nice. We actually are supposed to care about how people feel when we speak to them, right? Having you know that that can be a challenge if you're really focused on dealing with the real issues, getting behind the situation, getting in amongst it, right? Some of us are good at that. Some of us are really good at getting in amongst it and dealing with the actual issues, facing up the problems straight and telling people what they're real, what I really think about them, right? That's more my style, Right? So I'm more of a cast out the demons kind of guy. Well, that's just stupid, I'll tell you next time you come up with this stupid idea. But, you know, if I'm doing that, if I miss the fact that actually I also need to be able to deal with people face to face. I've got to be able to relate with people with skin on. I've got to be able to relate to the skin of life, not just the issues in behind. So often as Christians, Pentecostal Christians, we get wrapped up in dealing with, well, I'm just being honest. You're a loser, right? Now, the fact is that the person you're speaking to may easily and to be described as a loser, and actually you addressing them like that might actually help, right? You might be confronting a thing and then that's really holding them back. But the reality is you, you, can't, have the, you can't just focus on the one thing that you're good at and miss the other. We've got to be able to do skin, Right, If you can do skin, some of you are good at just doing the leprosy, making people feel good, being nice about stuff, but never getting around to, oh, actually, we need to sit down and talk about, oh, hey, we've been friends for a long time. I've just noticed what's going on between you and the kids. Hey, we've been friends for a long time, and and you call yourself a Christian, and I'd like to talk about this, Right? How many of you know that it's not that nice anymore, but we could be dealing with some real issues behind the scenes? So I, I think about leprosy as being on the surface, and I think about the demons as being behind the scenes. Either way, we're called to do both, right? There, there are two things in tension that we need to hold carefully, right? That's our job description. Go, announce, heal the sick is 3. Raise the dead is 3B, if you're wanting to clarify your notes here. Uh, cleanse the leper is 4A. Uh, cast out demons is 4B, right? Okay, then draw an underline under that. Come on, Dave. Thank you, do. Number five, we've got to give freely. I was thinking about this idea of giving freely. Jesus said, uh, there's actually an old song we sing at Sunday school. Freely,
1: freely, you
0: have
1: received.
0: It was awesome. Uh, and there's always someone in the church who could sing it at, like, dog octaves. Uh, and the dogs, the hound dogs would be howling through paparambas. uh, You know, Auntie Jamison got hit the high notes and the windows in the church broke. Anyhow, that's in the movie about the church I grew up in, not in the actual church I grew up in. I was thinking about this thing of freely giving, freely, uh, freely giving what God's given us. Uh, and I was thinking about it from the context of, you know, Moses, when he was selecting leaders... When Moses, was select, when Moses was selecting leaders, he would, it says that he had to choose people of good character. So Moses had to choose people of good character. Moses had to choose people of good character. And it says you choose people of good character, with good reputation, and it says people who don't take bribes. And I was thinking, well, they, you know, we, we read Moses and we think, I oh, want I want to translate to, you know, how how am I thinking of my own self as a leader? I was thinking, you know, I'm a, a person of good character, I have a good reputation, I'm a, a well liked among the people. And I thought, you know, people who don't take bribes. Well, I, I can't think the last time that I was tri- someone tried to bribe me as the pastor. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, here's ten bucks. You know, uh, don't don't prophesy about my sin issues in front of everyone at church. Uh, I've never had a bribe. I've never had someone try and you know, oh, you know, um, you know. Try and bribe me as a pastor to try and get something. But I think sometimes in church we can lead in a way where it's more about us than it is about the job we're doing. I know that's true as a leader. Sometimes, you know, even um, you, can, you can be a worship leader. Sometimes and it can be more about your singing than it is about leading other people into worship. I'm not saying for a moment that that would happen here. But if it did, we would never know because it's going on inside of us. H- have you ever thought, I- I'm called to lead, but it's got to be about, I'm called to make a difference in the world but sometimes it can be more about the I and called to make a difference rather than the difference that we're called to make. And it's a really subtle thing. And, and, and it's not like we're big noting ourselves or super egos, but sometimes we just use the things we do for God or we, or, or we use our, our spirituality as a way of somehow filling up our insecurity. Well, I'm going to do this thing for God so that God likes me. What? The problem is that God already loves you massively. So then you start doing that thing for God so that God would like you and nothing changes because He likes you the same anyway, right? And then you start thinking God doesn't like you because your insecurities, that little cycle goes round and round and round. We've got to learn how to give freely. I was talking about it in a Vision Night a couple of weeks ago. We've got to be like the boy with the, the lunch where he gave it to Jesus and Jesus was able to multiply it. The, I reckon number one, the number one thing you can learn how to give freely is encouragement. I reckon encouragement is the ultimate multiplier. If I, if I was to encourage Dougal and say, Dougal, I was really impressed with the way you led the service this morning. I love the way you can say the most inappropriate things in church and people just laugh, you know? I, it's encouraging, right? When I actually encourage someone, do you know two people, two people are encouraged every time you encourage? One piece of encouragement always lifts two people. Whenever you encourage someone else, they'll be encouraged, but you will also be encouraged because you gave something. And that's the nature of the multiplication of the gospel, that as we give freely, there's a life that goes with it. If we give with strings attached, oh, I'm leading or I'm running my e-group because I want to be a cool e-group leader or oh, I'm doing this thing to try and earn favor from God. If you're trying to do things for God to earn favor from God, you'll, you'll ultimately run yourself ragged because where you, right now, how you feel right now, this is how fully loved by God feels. You're fully loved by God. This is what forgiven feels like. You're, f- you're forgiven of your sin, right? So the feelings go up and go down, right? Sometimes I don't feel very good and sometimes I feel really good. Sometimes I feel loved by God. Sometimes I don't feel loved by God. The feeling changes, but the reality remains the same. We know from the Bible that He loves us. Before the creation of the world, God loved us and called us to be holy and blameless in His sight. He chose from long ago to adopt us as its own special possession, His own children, right? That's the reality. How many of those feelings go up and feelings go down, people are jerks and other people aren't, right? It goes up and it goes down. And we fail, we fail a paper or, 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 or a relationship breaks down or all sorts of stuff changes and it affects how we feel, right? But the, the feelings are a terrible thing to run your life by. Terrible thing to run your life by because your feelings can change like that. You can, you can have a nice meal and you'll feel good, right? Someone will cut you off in traffic and you feel bad right? Terrible thing to go by. Feelings can be helpful, right? And feelings are real, but they're not what we live our life by. They're not how we operate. We operate the system of our life based on the truth of the word. That's why we need to learn how to live freely, give freely. Amen? Uh, Very good. It says, number six, it says in the passage of the Bible, don't take any money with you. It says don't take a coat or doesn't, it says don't take a spare coat or spare sandals. It says, don't take a bag with a spare coat, with spare sandals, with a spare walking stick. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or a walking stick. That's weird, eh? These are strange instructions in a modern context. I think, of about like, I think of it like this. I think of it about like this. Don't get too organized. Oh, cool. We're going to reach out to the city. Let's get home and pack a bag. Oh, we're going to do we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. Do you know what? We should just reach out to the city. Right? It's it's, it's like a mystery weekend holiday. Jesus is calling us on. Let's just go. There's a great book I've read recently called um it's called Don't Prepare, Just Turn Up. It's written by an educator talking about how you prepare for lectures and things like that. Talking. This is how you should prepare. She teaches people to pre- prepare for job interviews. Don't prepare. Just turn up. Do you know what? You don't need to prepare for the next conversation we have with your unsaved friend. You just have to make sure you're there. Because sometimes you can be so prepared, and then you don't actually engage in the conversation. Because you've been reading books about friendship evangelism or whatever, which may be helpful or not, right? So don't, don't, that's not what I'm talking about. But sometimes we're stuck in our head, like I said, rather than we're just actually there ready to be available to people, ready to be friendly to people. We've got a system with walking sticks and coats and sandals and a bag of money. So we need, to, we need to make sure we don't prepare and just turn up. Number two, we need to rely on God, not on ourselves. So it said don't take money, and then it says, it says don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. So in the ancient world, you, you, hospitality was different to how it is now. Hospitality now is I'm hospitable, so I'll invite you to my house. Hospitality in the ancient world is I'm hospitable, so you just turn up at my house. So with the hospitality that Jesus talks about, when, and the, actually right through the New Testament when it talks about people in church, Christians should be hospitable, always being hospitable, always being hospitable, is much more like, say, like maori tikanga or uh, other more, more, just a bit more traditional lifestyles where actually hospitable people aren't people who invite you to their house. They're, they're the people you just turn up at their house because you know that you've, they've got food and you'll know that they'll share it with you. That's what hospitable means. Hospitable in, in the ancient world was there'd be a stranger you see in town and you bring them home to your house to stay while they, do their, they, they conduct the trading or whatever reason they're in town, and then you send them on their way with food and maybe even with money for the rest of their journey. That's what being hospitable was. And so this is saying, don't hesitate to accept hospitality. Do you know, I, that, I was preparing the sermon and then had a conversation with um, Sarah and Ali and um, the guy who runs Red Frogs nationally. And he said, that the Wellington Business Association is wanting to do a, a trial. So it's just a trial, but they've rung us. Hey, we want a trial of some harm management. So the Red Frogs guys, how many people have red fro- been red frogging the last year or so? Yeah, James and Luca and these guys are right? up. Um, They did things uh, at the Wellington Sevens, looking after people, giving people water, all that sort of stuff at the Wellington Sevens. And it's part of how the Wellington Sevens keeps getting their license is because they say, hey, we're going to invest in having red frog people there to look after people who are are perhaps in trouble, right? The Wellington Business Association is wanting to trial doing that every Friday, every Saturday night on Courtney Place and other places where students particularly get in trouble. They're going to do a trial through the orientation week, right? So I was preparing the sermon about hey, don't get all prepared and just accept hospitality. The next conversation I have the very next day is with someone saying, Hey, the Wellington Business Association actually want to give you guys money to look after, reach out to students in our city. And I was like, This is why we don't need to panic about the budget, because we can just accept hospitality. We can accept, hey, that when we when we go out and we do what God's called us to, God's gonna look after us as a church. And for Sarah, Luca, others, and as individuals, they're making sacrifices to do it, and we've got to trust. Believe that actually God's gonna provide for them, why? Because the worker deserves to be fed. It doesn't quite say what I want to say, I reckon it should say the worker deserves a holiday in the mid, <laughs> but it says the worker deserves to be fed. Have you know that that's often the promises of God? God, look, God will look after you. I would like it to be God will look after you in the lap of luxury, but it's really not. The Bible doesn't quite say that. It says we'll be, we'll be prosperous, but usually when you look deeply into what it means, it means that, you're, you know, you'll have enough food to eat. Uh, <laughs> which, I, you know, I'm not saying I don't want that, Jesus, I really do. I want I, but I, what I want is a heart that accepts that more as the rich blessing that it really is. Everyone say, accept hospitality. So the assumption is this. Jesus is sending them out on the assumption that p- hospitality is going to be offered. When I reach out often in my mind, I'm going to reach out to my unsafe friends, I assume that the door will be closed. To, can you see what the point here is about the assumption as well? Do we assume the doors are closed or do we do assume the doors are open? When you invite somebody to church, if you assume they don't want to come, do you know what the most likely answer is going to be? The most likely answer is no. Because you have wor- somehow subconsciously, Dougal will explain it to us one time psychologically, you have told them not to come because of the assumption in your heart that they don't want, that maybe they'll all say no. Jesus sends him out and say, just accept hospitality. Assume that people's doors are open, that the gospel will go forward. Amen? Uh, it's a, verse, a verse, chapter uh, carries on, and it says, Look for a worthy man, it says in the old translations. Let's see if I can find where we're up to. Oh, the reason I'm struggling is because I've brought my wrong Bible. It's got red words, and when Jesus is talking, I can't read it in this light. I feel like an old person now. It says, if it turns out, so when you're invited to someone's house, Give it your blessing. So point number 10 is be a blessing when you're received. So when, when you're received, be a blessing. If, have, have your unsaved friends, and maybe you're talking to them about Jesus or talking to them about life, is it a blessing to them to talk to you about life? Is it a blessing or, or, or is, it, is it just challenge? Is it a blessing or is it just confusion that you give them? Well, I don't know, really. You know, is it actually helping them? Or is it just... Or, or is it, sometimes we can communicate judgment accidentally. Sometimes we can communicate distance accidentally. But we're called to be a blessing, right? And it says, if you received, be a blessing. And then it says, if you're not received. So if the doors aren't opening... In life, if the doors aren't opening, thanks for cash. It just says this. It just says move on. That's point number eleven. I don't know what number you're up to, Johnny. Five. Johnny's up to five. Anywhere between five and eleven is acceptable if you're taking notes. Uh, <laughs> it just says move on. Do you know um, when when I when I preach? When I'm reading the Bible, when I'm preaching things from the Bible, I often use really strong, strong language. Really strong language. Have you been here before? Sometimes I use really strong language. That's partly because that's because we're at church. Right? And so I'm, and this is like team talk time, right? So when, if you think about Steve Hansen, have you, have you ever seen the All Blacks rugby coach talking on the news? He talks in sort of general terms, he's real friendly. But I don't think he talks the same as that when he's talking to the players at halftime. When Steve Hansen's talking to the players at halftime, I imagine there's the odd pointed finger. There'd be, there'd be, there'd be, it would be a challenge. There'd be pressure put on the players. Why? Because he wants the best out of his players when they hit the field. And that's what we're doing on Sunday. It's part of what we're doing on a Sunday, not everything. Part of what we're doing on a Sunday is halftime team talk. Hey, there's, come on, where are we at? Come on, the Holy Spirit speaks through whoever's preaching or in the worship, and there's a lift and there's challenge, right? When I talk to my unsaved friends when I'm having a cup of tea at home or out and about or eating lunch or whatever, I don't speak in that same tone of voice. I don't say, thus saith the Lord. I don't point at people. I don't say, come on, you're made for better than this. I might say that here, but I don't say that at you know, 8 a.m. at the Old Bailey, do you know what I mean, to one person who's like, I could, like I, I could muster the courage to do it. But I don't because actually if, if people, if the doors are opening, then we can speak blessing into people's lives. If, people, if, the, if the doors are shut and people are not listening, we don't need to knock the door down. We can just move on because God wants us speaking. God wants us connecting with other people. Amen. Everyone say hard work. Everyone say it's not what you do. it's the way that you do it. We're here to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, and cast out demons. But we need to think about the way that we do it as much as what we do. Amen. Do you know, um, one of the things I want to do uh, in January is I want us to start thinking more about being deliberate in our reach out. It's one of our values as a church is to reach out. There's there's a couple of things we love in church. One of the things we love is we love serving on teams. If you're not on the E team, I just want to encourage you. If you're not on the E team, I just want to tell you this, you're missing out. Being involved in in any of the teams, either pack in, pack out, the kids team, the morning tea team, the coffee team, uh, the sound desk team. You could learn to do the words. There's all sorts of just some simple things, some difficult things, some hard work things, some pretty easy things. There's something that suits you. If you're not in a team, you're missing out, and you should get involved in a team. You'll enjoy You'll enjoy church better when you're contributing to it like that. you enjoy the meeting better when you're contributing like that. And I also say, if you're not in an e-group, you're missing out as well. I run a great e-group, two actually, one in the morning on a Wednesday and one in the evening on a Thursday. Um, And we've just found across the last few weeks, actually the conversation in our e-group has just been so powerful. People have been opening up a bit, sharing, and we've been able to really pray for each other. And I'm believing that we'll see great fruit from just the conversations that we had. In fact, Jono preached last Sunday morning, and Jono preached basically a repetition of a conversation that we'd had in our e-group on the Thursday night. Just, just uh, me, Richard, and a few others. We're just chatting away, uh, and then Jonah preached a message that actually spoke to a lot of the questions that we've been asking, a lot of the things we've been talking about. Jonah brings a word that speaks straight to it, and I reckon you'll miss out on that when you're not in an e-group. Uh, you miss out on that opportunity to just to grow together, pray for each other, move forward. And, but I want to add one more thing because I like to add things. And so what I've done is I've in my own, just in my own, I've got a list of people on my, on a Google Doc, just of my e-group, so I know who to make sure I've texted everyone. And I sometimes forget people, right? Uh, we've got a Facebook group, which makes it easier. And uh, I know that for the team, the guys who lead teams, I don't lead a team, but uh, I'm on the Pack and pack out team. I know that they must have a list because they text me and remind me and send me things on Facebook, right, for the teams. And I thought, I'm, I'm just added a new list of the people that I'm going to pray for every day. Just the people I'm reaching out to. And that's, I'm just calling it my gather list, the people that I want to gather. People that I think, man, it would be great for them if they were part of our church family. Um, and you know, it's great that we had um, one, one of one of the people on that list was in church this morning. You know what I mean? And I just want to, I'm gonna, I want to just grow that. So if there's 10 people I'm praying for every day. Uh, and at the moment, I've actually only got eight people on my list. Unless you expand the families out, then I get over 13. Uh, but I'm just praying for the for 10. They're, they're just other guys, people my age. Uh, one, of, a couple of my cousins are on that list that I'm praying and reaching out to. And so I'm just throwing it out there now across the summer. Maybe you want to join me and be a gatherer. Uh, I, I'm an e-group leader, but I'm also going to just be a gatherer. I've got a list of people that I'm going to pray for. And I'm just going to pray that I have open doors, that when I go to them and speak to them, that they'll, that they'll be that worthy person whose heart's open there. I can be a blessing to them. Amen? How many people reckon it's a good idea? Yeah, very cool. So why don't you just begin experimenting or exploring the idea of gathering across the summertime, and then we might put some more structure to it, but we might not put more structure to it than that where it's just something we, we begin praying for people that we're reaching out for. Amen. How many people love hard work? Do you know, when I was a school teacher, I, was, I just noticed a couple of school teachers. When I was a school teacher, I loved hard work. I, like, I love hard work. But I hated, I just hated filling in the learning portfolios because I just knew that in year eight they got thrown in the bin. And I was teaching year seven. Like, yeah, if you're a new entrant, you're filling in the learning portfolio and it goes from class to class, that makes sort of sense. But at year seven, I'm filling in the learning portfolio. The guy teaching year eight is my cousin. He doesn't even care what I think, right? And then year eight gets thrown in the bin. Like, I love hard work, but not for that. I don't like, I don't, I just didn't like it. And I had some conversations with the person leading the primary department of the school. Yeah. And then she did them. I just didn't get to it. Do you know? In 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 the kingdom of God, it doesn't get thrown in the bin next year. It doesn't. Every one of you who give, come on, it, it it's making a difference. So all the all the all the effort that's going to go in next year to Red Frogs, it's going to be effort, right? How many people know? Every Friday and Saturday night wow, what a great opportunity for the gospel. Come on. The Wellington Business Association is going to pay to have people out there. Why? That's pretty awesome, right? But what a lot of hard work. There's a lot of hay bales to pick up out of the, off the street in Courtney Place and throw them on the truck. That's a lot of hard harvest work. And, and it's, it's, it's all too much hard work. Straightening the chairs, putting up the stage, writing the sermon. It's a little bit of hard work to write a sermon. But I just, I just know this: it, it, what we do lasts for eternity. When we're reaching out to people with the gospel, it lasts for eternity. Which that's what I get my motivation from. <laughs> Things that don't last for eternity, I don't, I don't, I literally do not get out of bed for. Like I, just can't make myself do it. But come on, the people that, the people that you're reaching out to, the people maybe that are going to appear on your list over the next few months, are people whose lives are going to be transformed forever because you prayed. Amen. How many of you know, um, how many of you remember Lucas Connell? Uh, Libby was reminded me of him actually this morning talking about red frogs. But um, (laughs) Lucas talks about the story of how when he, he, at 18 years old, he'd been using drugs since he was 11. Um, Grew up in a really difficult family environment. And uh, he tells the story and it's part of his testimony. It's amazing. But the thing that always strikes me is that he he always refers to an auntie. In his whole extended family, they they were a real it was a crime-based family and this one auntie had become a Christian and she was praying for him every day along with the other cousins. She's praying for him every day and then at 19 years old he had a dramatic visitation from God where Jesus appeared before him and began speaking to him. Lucas Connell's been traveling the world the last five years preaching all over the world seeing literally thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people saved. He's now shifted to San Diego from Melbourne leads a massive youth ministry. Right, we know that because he's just had Esther and Ben Green, with they're doing schools in San Diego. Right, he—he he literally thousands of people's lives have been impacted. Yeah, he was saved, but his auntie's prayers—again, like that small boy's lunch. You yeah, know, well, we don't know her name. We know Lucas Conwell a famous evangelist, right? But she's the person who's changed the world with her prayer, with her faith. And I reckon we could be like that, don't you reckon? Are there things that could change in Parua? Are there some dead things that could be raised to life in Wellington? More towards the beehive end, there's some dead things that could be raised to life. Couldn't there? I was talking with a family the other day. They've just shifted into Strathmore. They bought their first home and they were like, wow, there's some great opportunity in Strathmore to meet people's needs. I thought, what a great way to think. Other people would say, oh, there's lots of poor people here. No, she's like, man, there's a great opportunity. Because there's people with, here with needs. We could do something as a church in Strathmore to meet people's needs around Christmas. And she's a mum, so she's like, oh, we could do, just get lots of Christmas presents. And I was like, wow, we had this idea a couple of years ago with vision team. We couldn't quite get it off the ground. But there's someone who God's put it in their heart to do something in their little suburb and make a difference. Amen? Amen. That's Harvest. That's what we're actually what we're on about. Amen? Amen. We, we love Sunday, right? Everyone loves the oranges at halftime. We love oranges. Right, but we don't play rugby for the oranges. We're playing rugby to score the tries. Right, we're but uh, we but we don't we're not spitting the oranges out to get the balance. We love the oranges, but we're not playing rugby for the oranges. Amen.